Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, we want to thank everybody for listening, joining us for Sober October. And uh, we want to thank all of our guests being so brave and kind to get on here and share their stories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's their, I mean, their addiction stories, right? So, I mean, and, and Tony, I've really never asked our listeners, but you know, we're going to, we're going to plead with you to, uh, to share this podcast with, with, you know, any, anyone really, because, you know, you never know who, who needs to hear um, these stories. Um, we've also left a couple web links in our podcast descriptions, um, it's just a couple organizations that can help with addictions. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I'm sitting with my bud, Tone. What's up, Tony? What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Uh, I am so excited uh, to have one of our industry's greatest um no entrepreneurs or you know what I mean people someone who's just business true, leaders right yeah business leader and to be transparent because we are in sober October mm-hmm. and he said he's never uh publicly gave his story uh the way he's about to give it to us and uh I am uh, really grateful and uh excited for those who get a chance to listen to this and uh you know and hopefully uh, it, even if it touches one person in a way that his, uh, the way he's going to give it, it, it's, you know, it's well worth the whole month of October. <laughs> no doubt. Do you want to tell us, do you want to tell everyone his name? Mr. Michael Cole, <laughs> Mr. Michael Cole, <laughs> who, uh, who, yeah, <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, and, and for those that, uh, who don't know Michael Cole and the man, uh, he has done great things in our industry. Yeah, know? we actually we actually interviewed him a couple months ago, and after that interview, he agreed to come on with us. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's episode 16 of your Day Off podcast. So, you know, as we get into this, and as we as Michael's telling his story, if you really want to know um, uh, how Michael's impacted our industry, you know, just check out episode 16 um, of our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess. No further ado. No I don't. Yeah, I guess no further ado. So, um, Mr. Michael Cole, thank you very much for joining us again. We've never said that before. Yeah. Again, again, <laughs> on uh, your day off. Well, good morning, you two. You got it. Thank you. It's all. It's a. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I just really enjoyed the last time we were together, and 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 this, of course, this conversation is. It's not secret, but it's sacred, and uh, I've been looking forward to. Uh, having you guide me through it. So I'm, I'm all yours. Awesome. Michael, I, I mean, let's just start off for, um, for those people that haven't listened to episode 16, what, um, just kind of give us, you know, a quick run through. Yeah. Yeah. A quick run through of, of who you are in the industry. Uh, you, you know, in a nutshell, first and foremost, I always start with, I'm a hairdresser. Uh, 
graduated cosmetology school in 73. I'll let your listeners do the math. Uh, got off to a rough start as a hairdresser, had the technical thing down, but not really the, the relationship business thing down. M- met my first coach five years in. You know, I woke up. Uh, my wife also went to school with me, so she's a hairdresser. We've been together forever. Um, began entering in the, the business side of the art of hairdressing forever ago in the front end of the 80s. And um, it's been a glorious ride. Uh, been sponsored by L'Oreal uh, for, I think, 24 years. When I'm about to do, I think it's the 13th symposium. So I'm 64 in this interview, soon to be 65. I've got a few more years of shelf life in me, social, digital, continues to young me down, having a lot of fun. And here I am with you guys this morning, having a very different conversation. Well, Michael, um, again, we just really appreciate you being here and, and just being vulnerable and um, and being open, right? Yeah, just really grateful. So um, we all know that we're here for Sober October. Michael, just kind of, um, you know, go back and tell us where that part of your life starts. You know, I first of all, I've been in recovery for 20 years. And, you know, I've had you know, a number of opportunities to kind of, you know, pass on m- my experience and strength and hope in recovery and in and, and the recovery communities that I, I live in. And so you know, every time I tell the story, uh, it, the, the story continues to evolve because as we, we stay in longer and we practice principles, we wake up more and we get clear about, you know, how it was and the what happened and what it's like now. So, you know, today what that looks like to me, you know, in retrospect, you know, I was kind of born into the ecosystem. If, you know, and you hear it all the time in the rooms, if you shake my family tree real hard, you're going to find Elkies and neurotics falling out all over the place or, you know, climb up my family tree and they're swinging from the limbs. So some of this, you know, shit rolls downhill. And uh, so I learned very early about uh, how... Uh, alcohol and drugs is, is the ultimate uh, coping mechanism. Um, and so, you know, when I look back, my first experience with using uh, was uh, was glorious. It was magical. Up until then, I, you know, I thought I was, uh, I missed a meeting. I, I, you know, like it, everyone looked like they had it together except me. And uh, right. just, you know, you hear it all the time. People that have, that, you know, struggle, are recovering with addiction. We, 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 we see ourselves as terminally unique. I certainly did. You know, something must be wrong with me. I, you know, I, I can't talk. I, I get, I, I'm shy and this and that. And, you know, my first experience with alcohol and drugs, all of a sudden somebody leveled the playing field. You know, like in a nanosecond, I not only could keep up with the best of them, but it looked like I was holding court. You know, I had, I could, you know, hold a room. And of course that experience was, uh, it was magical. I, I remember, I, you know, you look back and I've got, you know, mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas that literally died of it. And I remember I can bring it back with recall. How can something this glorious be this bad for you? And that, you know, that's usually the first sign that I'm having an, an abnormal reaction to the agent. Uh, and, you know, once I have one, I want two, three, four, five of whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife doesn't have it, and she has one she feels nice, and halfway through the second, she says, I, I don't want any more, and it's not because of the taste. She just doesn't like the experience. And as you know... So Michael, so what, 
how old were you when you first like you know when you when you when you first jumped on board uh, I think I'm, you know, I think I was around 10 or 11. We were, you know, somewhere, uh, and all my buddies were a little bit older, 13, 14. We found kind of a bootlegger in, in, in the inner city, went and, and bought uh, us. I, I remember buying a half a pint of something. I think it was whiskey. And uh, we were in a garage and everybody had one and I finished mine and the rest is history. Wow. Oh my goodness. You know, and then you, you know, you get sick, you throw up, they bring you home, you go, I'm not going to do it again. And, you know, I think, you know, th that same day, it's like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I found a new toy. Right. right. Exactly. So, so did you continue to drink, um, you know, regularly, even after that, even at 10 or 11? I mean, how can you even, how do you even like get alcohol at 10 or 11 years yeah, old well if you're not getting it from your parents house yeah right? yeah i mean there's parents and then you know i lived in the housing project so there was always you know back in those days they referred to people as bums but it was you know the people that were kind of jobless and if you gave them you know a dollar in addition to what it was going to cost they'd, they'd buy you what you wanted and you know it went away for a while and then as i got in middle school and high school now there's a you know you find that community and now it's about being high or getting drunk. Um, if you couldn't pull it off during the week because of school, you couldn't wait for, you know, Friday and then take it all the way up to, you know, Saturday. And then, you know, you graduate and now it's a lifestyle and it goes on and on and on and on. Um, right. were, you, were you using drugs as well? Oh, yeah. I sh shortly after, I think I was, I was introduced to pot. I must have been eighth grade. Uh, what are you, 13 in the eighth grade or something like that? Um, and that was even, oh, my God. Um, and then, you know, ninth and tenth grades continued to do that. It would, it would, I shut it down. It, I'd turn it back on. And then, you know, back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was hallucinogenics, you know, LSD, psilocybin, you know, all the, all the stuff, uh, speed, uh, you know, downers, uppers, and, and uh, you know, everything and so you know if, if you could do it i'd do it i i didn't uh i didn't uh take uh, anything with needles but i certainly engaged in the powders and um and then uh got married very young i think we were mary and i were 20 21 and and we were both using but she stopped because she doesn't have it i didn't and i think it was 70 what was it we were married like three months and back in the 70s, if you wanted to get clean, you, you had a choice. You could either say, I'm, I'm crazy, I'm going to commit myself to a psych ward, or I'm chemically dependent, and I'll go and do 28 days. And, you know, and today they right. still have that, that model. So my first whack at this was uh, I was 20, 21, and it was not October of 75, uh, I did 28 and then stayed on that track. I, I and did what you were supposed to do and had just under four years of recovery uh, uh, where I was clean, sober, and then went back out uh, in 79. Uh, and and uh, it, then it brought me back in 99. So in 99, I came back on my knees and, um, uh, been, and I've been back ever since. So I'm just this, in my 20th year. So you were aware you had a, uh, an addiction problem at 21. I mean, at least, and that's, and you said t until 99, that's a, 
That's a long seventy-nine. I mean, seventy-nine. That's a long battle. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think there's a difference between I'm aware of it versus I'm accept. You know, acceptance is one of the principles, and acceptance says I'm aware of it, and I'm it's I'm not going to judge it as good or bad. But it's the awareness coupled with a willingness to do something about what I'm aware of. And I, right. you know, I just didn't wake up, you know, at 45 years old in 1999 and go, you know what? I think this would be a great time to get clean. I mean, you know, my ass was on fire. You know, you know, I remember the, 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 the day before I, I went back in, uh, it, I had been on a, probably a three month spree. I was just off of a major surgery. I mean, frankly, the last 10 years of my, uh, active addiction. And oh, by the way, I was running a pretty successful business. I mean, I was still, and I, you know, I, I was on, in retrospect, they would call that marijuana maintenance, you know, 20 years. And I, that was my secret. And, you know, I'd isolate. And then, then I, I, I got a, uh, a disease, a, a colon disease. I had ulcerative colitis. So I, 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 I stopped, actually, I stopped using pot in 89 and for the next 10 years uh, was diagnosed with this this uh this colitis and i would get steroids i would get um tranquilizers to manage the side effects of the steroids and then i needed surgeries from time to time so there was pain medication you know uh uh you know all of the the opiates and so i had kind of a get out of jail free card for 10 years. And then I had major surgery in 99 and had major abdominal. I mean, I lost my colon. I lost, you know, everything. Um, and I, I'm three months after, and I'm still asking for pain meds. And, you know, my doctor is just a little bit suspicious. And, and that was when my wife, she got sick. She got sick and tired of being sick and tired before I did. And, you know, the night before I went in, I was very, very anesthetized and she looked me in the eyes and she said, Michael, you need to, you need to just give me your attention just for a second, honey. I, I need to tell you something and I'm, I, I want you to write it down so that you'll remember it tomorrow when you wake up. And I had this like, what? What? I can't remember what I was doing if I was spaced out on a TV or whatever. And she said, honey, I'm leaving you. And it was like this pause. And it's like, well, where are you going? Well, I'm, I'm, like I'm leaving you. When when you wake up tomorrow, I won't be here. I want you to know a couple things. One, I love you. I love you a lot. Number two, I can't stand witness to what's happening to you. Um, and uh, and and number three, so I'm I'm leaving. I, you know, and if whoever's in front of me now, my husband's in there. Michael, if you're in there, please hear me. And, you know, I had, that was my, that lucid moment where you're at the holy jumping off place. And it's like, you know, that internal sound that goes, rrr, rrr. you know, it's like a, there's a major fire in the hall here. And I, it, I'm going to go one of two ways. Either I'm going to go Elvis Presley in a death spiral, or I'm, I'm going to stop, take pause. And in that, I did. I took pause. I looked at her. I started crying. And I said, Please don't leave me. I want to stop, and I, I can't. And I, I've since then called that the ultimate dilemma. If I keep doing this, I'm going to die. And if I stop doing this, I'm going to die. 
And she, for whatever reason, said, are you serious? And I said, yes. And, she, and then we began a conversation. And the next day, I, I started my steps in recovery. There, there, there's places you can go when you're serious about it. Um, I, I went to meetings every day uh, for, you know, they, you know, there's one of the treatments is, you know, 90 meetings, 90 days. I went to whatever amount of meetings you go to over 18 months, you know, you do the math because by then I had lost everything. I, my, my, my career was on a death spiral. So that's how I unramped. In retrospect, I should have went to a, 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 what do they call it? An, an inpatient. Frankly, I was afraid that if I was going to go in, I'd be sequestered. And when I come out, she wouldn't be there. So in the name of controlling, I just said, look, I'll go to meetings every day. I, I knew what it was like to be in 28-day rehab. It's kind of like meetings every day, but you're in a hospital. And so I did that. And, um, you know, you, you're so, blank so and you're it's been 20 years. So, Michael, you're saying that you went to meetings for every day for 18 months? Every day for, for 18 months. And it wasn't because I was a poster child for recovery. I, I had nothing left. So I, I, I was on a, what I thought was going to be a three-month sabbatical with my surgery. Turned out to be 18 months. I was on a death spiral. So in the name of killing an hour a day, there happened to be a, a place across the street that was hosting meetings for people in recovery. And I went there every day. Um, and that's, that was my on-ramp to that. And to this day, I still... And very, that's one of the communities that I'm very active in. I do a lot of service work. Uh, I, I, I do a lot of, you know, sponsoring, mentoring people, et cetera. Yeah, the strength of love. Your wife uh, is obviously an amazing woman. Uh, you know what I mean? It, a lot of times we, you know, we don't realize or are willing to do anything about it until you're about to lose you're everything, right? You're everything. Your everything. Yeah. So kudos to your wife. And, uh, you know, we're uh, so excited for you to, to find the courage to, to fight this for the love. I don't, know if he had an, I don't know if he had, I don't know if he had options. Yeah. <laughs> Mary was, listen, Michael. Yeah. 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 Together, right? Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Crisis makes it easy. It's like, you know, <laughs> I should yeah, say, no I should say crisis makes it simple. It, it's never easy, it, but it, the decision was simple. It, you know, taking the actions was not easy because of course they, you, you, they, they trigger fear. When, when you go from using every day to, I'm not going to use, I'm going to put plugs in jugs and caps on bottles and throw away the bags. All of a sudden it's like taking a, a sewer cap off of a sewer. And you have right. all of this gas that's just welling up and that gas is terror. It's fear. And I remember in the early days saying, you know, being around people in recovery and saying, you people are scaring me. You're freaking me out. And they went, no, the fear's been there. You just had a cap on it. And, and I go, well, what do you do? And they said, one day at a time. And if you have to, it's an hour at a time. And if you have to, it's a breath at a time. And you know, keep doing the deal and sooner or later it gets better and later comes sooner than you think. And, you know, so there's, the, you know, there's the language, there's the consciousness. And um, this time I stayed. Hey, Mike, I'm going to bring you back to like 1979. Um, and I'm just kind of curious as to what the conversation was in your head, right? So you had, you've been clean for four years. 
you know, do you remember or do you have any idea what the conversation was yes. when your mind yes. saying, yes. you mind is saying, use, 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 yes. and for four years you're yes. saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's and then what, was, what happened? Well, anyone that's been in recovery and really does the deal will tell you that over time, our lives get exponentially better. We, we not only get back the great life we had before addiction took it away from us, but we also, we get the gift with purchase. We get a life that's, that's exponentially better than however good our life was. And that happened to me in that four years. And I, that's what I started, you know, you know me from my professional life. I started to get famous. I, you know, and all of a sudden, all of the, all of the juice that comes with fame, I, I, I had less time to go to my meetings. I had less time to hang out in the community. And I couldn't see that what I was enjoying was the fruits of recovery. I got so busy enjoying the fruits, I had no time to go back to the soil from which the, the fruits came. And over time, the fruits started drying up. I couldn't see the connection. And so um, I just, you know, I, I didn't go to the meetings and, and I, the pull of the world, I got amnesia or told myself a story. Gee, I'm only, you know, 25, 26. And, uh, and um, I, I think I've been clean this long. I don't know that I have this. I'm much, I think I'm better. I'm going to go back and use, but I'm going to use really, really, res, you know, responsibly. Um, and then that's, and if you talk to people that came in and go back out, but get back in, they go, oh, yeah, man, that happened to me. So even today, my life continues to get better, but I never, never, never get so busy enjoying recovery, taking advantage of the fruits of recovery to not go back to my homies, my community. You know, like tonight, I will, I'll go to a community to remember again, you know, who I am, what I have, what I need to do to, you know, take care of myself and continue to not just stay clean, but to evolve and grow. Wow. Do you, so you're on the road a lot now. Do you, um, do you ever uh, pick up meetings on the road or, or are you sure to just kind of, I mean, I don't know how your schedule works, but, um, or are you sure just to come back, um, back home to Minnesota so you can, uh, yeah, great question. Um, every now and, and once in a great while, I, I, I have. Um, I was just I was just came back from the road this weekend, and somebody I was in uh, Dallas, and somebody knows that I'm in recovery, and they invited me to go to a meeting with them that evening. And the, and I said we were going out as a group, and if we if it didn't get too late, I had to work the next day. And by the time the, the you know we were done, it was like ten o'clock, and it didn't make sense. So more times than not, that's my reality when I'm in the world. However, I stay in touch with my recovery community via uh, secret groups on Facebook, uh, texting. I'm in a, a texting group with, um, I think it's probably 13, 14 people. So there's ways of, you know, having meetings without going to meet, you know, virtual meetings. And that's become, frankly, my resource, whether I'm on the road or not in between, you know, eyeball to eyeball meetings. Well, so it sounds like you have a lot of support and it sounds like 
when you're in recovery, you need that kind of support, you know, not only with your, your family, but out, obviously outside with uh, other uh, people who are going through the same thing. Is that a... Oh, yeah. It, in, in, in recovery, one of the, you know, there's a, a language and one of the, one, you, there's many terms and one is, you know, to, to go to, uh, you know, to be with one, two or more people, myself, somebody else and others. Sometimes it is one-on-one. Sometimes I'm in a group. Sometimes I'm on the receiving end of my teacher. It could be a therapist, a mentor, a sponsor. Sometimes I'm in a group. Sometimes I'm with peers. But always, always, always in those moments, I take advantage of opportunities to, quote, check in. I'm checking in with people that get this conversation. And what that means in recovery speak is talking about what's going on. And, and, and sometimes I'll call it, you know, talking about where I'm at at the edge of my practice. And, and, what's, what, and what that isn't about is talking about how wonderful my life is in recovery. That's called bring and brag. Talking about what's going on is, okay, where are those places in my life where I'm still, you know, batshit crazy? You know, I, I got to watch it because it's a blip on my radar. I'm you know, I'm, I'm holding a grudge on someone or my thinking is toxic or, you know, whatever the conversation is, I'm talking about what's going on. And to the degree I do that, the spell gets broken and I'm not at the mercy of any of that. You know, in recovery, we call it ism, the ISM, the I'm still messed up part of me and and to the degree and if you talk to people that are in trouble in recovery it's because they're not talking about what's going on or they're not talking about everything that's going on you know they're they're telling their sponsor their teacher their therapist you know like 70 percent and the other 20 30 percent is not only a secret to other people sometimes it's a secret to ourselves. and in recovery i'm sure you guys have heard it we stay as sick as the secrets we keep so I, I try to be fully disclosive. I have zero tolerance for myself for any turds in the punch bowl. Let's have the goddamn conversation. I'm going to make the confession. I'm going to make the amends. I'm going to clean up my shit because I'm in it, man. I, I, I use, I shouldn't say I use my recovery. I allow myself to be used by my recovery so that I can have a great life. You get me talking about this shit too much, I just get it comes out of my eyeballs because people say, how do you keep reinventing yourself? And I'm going, I, I don't, I, I stay in rehab. I stay in recovery. I stay in re- therapy. And, and at first they think I'm like joking, but when it becomes, when it becomes apparent that I'm serious, depending on who they are, they get uncomfortable or they get curious. Oh, wow. Tell me more about that. And then most don't. It's like, okay, I get it but I'm not ready to have that conversation. And so I've told you guys before the interview, we many times in the, in the world, we're as close to recovery as other people are going to get. It's the light comes through us. People, you know, they'll say, I like myself best when I'm around you. And it's, it's that, that power that's in us that's greater than us. And we call it our higher power. It's coming through and it helps people to have better moments with us than they would otherwise. And that's great life advice for any human being. You ain't kidding. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Not to bottle that stuff up. Anything. Actually, I want to kind of get into that. So, Michael, like, I mean, you've got 20 years of recovery and, you know, kudos to you. Um, but, you, you know, you were talking about the turd in, 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 the, uh, in the punch bowl, I think is how we referred to it. 
But like, I, at what point or how long did it take you in your recovery to understand that you had to be 100% transparent? You know? Yeah. Oh, and, man. You guys are asking, you yeah, you're asking some great questions. Um, I was uh, probably somewhere between eight to 10 years in, and I had a second surrender. I think for the last time I was I was interviewed by you guys, you know, myself and, you know, uh, uh, we, we started this movement, you know, the summit movement. And it got, you know, I'm a co-founder of that and it got big fast and, you know, money magnifies us. So, you know, those character defects that I brought into my recovery with me, that I, they, they weren't toxic enough to cause me to relapse in drug and alcohol. But I'll tell you what you start getting a lot of money and those de defects of character get magnified, like, you know, pride, ego, greed, uh, you know, uh, anger, you know, all the human stuff. And, um, you know, in essence, uh, in retrospect, I don't know that I, that I don't know that the company was taken from me as much as I lost the reins of that company because by then there were a lot of business people that saw, the sacredness of Summit and said, you know, look, Michael, we love you, you know, and they would call it entrepreneur and it's time to strategically leverage this and get a, you know, a management team. And that was the truth. But the whole truth was I was batshit crazy. I mean, I just, I wasn't using, I, but I mm -hmm. was, you know, I had the ism and the iction without the alcohol and, uh, and the drug. And so I, I, for the second time in my life was brought to my knees. And um, that, that once I kind of understood that it was like, okay, I got to take my recovery to a whole different level. I, 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 I now, if I'm really going to stay clean one day at a time for the rest of my life, how in the game am I ready to be? And it was that surrender that got me in the game. And by the way, all the players that were in my life in that first 10 years, I used, my recovery to clean up my act with them. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and to some degree it is, but I don't, I don't want to talk about that as if, as if it's past tense. I mean, I did some damages to myself and people around me in my first 10 years that were still in the process of healing. And God knows uh, if, if that's going to ever get handled. But I, I, I would be the first to tell you, just because you're in recovery, it's not uh, kumbaya, let's be happy, go lucky for the rest of our life. You know, this shit comes back. So basically, I think Michael say that he assholed himself out of, you know, Summit. Or I mean, he's still part of it. But, right. You know, was where people had to come in. And I assume that's what you're saying. You're just kind yeah. of being an asshole. Oh, right? yeah. Like, if you look at my partners, and I love them all, and there's nothing I wouldn't say to you guys in this interview that we haven't said to them, I have, because I'm very disclosive. I'm the, <laughs> I've got a, a stake in the equity. I'm still a very big part of it. I'm a rainmaker. I'm an ambassador. I'm a teacher, you know, a Jedi, a guru, whatever you want to call it. But I have no power in the company. Like if you looked at all my partners, they got titles. You know, I got president, chief executive officer, senior director, VP, director. And, you know, Michael Cole, he's a, a board member shareholder. But we can't give that some base power. <laughs> because you, you know he not he if he, if all that happened is he'd blow himself up that that'd be great but he blow he blows us up so the only powers I have are powers of recovery spiritual uh, love 
And I think that's my higher power's way of saying, you know, we got to keep, we got to keep a harness on you, cowboy, because you got to learn how to, uh, what do they say? You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I, I'd be the first to say guilty as charged, your honor. Mm, I can't get more transparent than that. No, you can't. I mean, it's just, I'm trying to like, you know, Michael said he's on his knees. So I'm kind of like putting myself in my knees. And, and what's that conversation with? I mean, what, listen, the, the only way through any kind of recovery, you know, whether it's emotional, whether it's alcohol, whether it's whatever is, is self-awareness, you know? So what's that conversation as Michael's sitting on his knees? What's that conversation with himself? Because at that point on his knees, the only person that he can talk to is God and himself. And both of them know what he's up to. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, just, yeah let me add something to that, Corey. Uh, my, the, my higher power uh, is in me and comes through me. Having said that, my higher power works for me by coming through other people. And frankly, uh, half the time my higher power is coming through me, I don't, I'm hallucinating. I, I, is, it, is it my higher power or is it my ego taking on another mask? So I've learned to, I got to get around people in recovery that are Obi-Wans and Jedis, you know, uh, and, and that, you know, with 50, 60 years in, those are my sponsors. Those are my teachers. And I'm on the receiving end of them. And, and they've helped me to see, okay, that, that when, like when I was on my knees and I was having that conversation with myself, they were in front of me. I gave them permission to be welcomed intruders. And one of the questions they asked me with love is, have you had enough yet? And, you know, I'm waving the white flag. And yes, and, and it felt like, it felt like, you know, eight to 10 years prior to that, I was, you know, it was like deja poo all over again. I just didn't use. And, and so they went, okay, let, let's, let's take it up. And that's when uh, I, I engaged in a brand new rule book called, if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of being too transparent. If I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of checking in and, and, and talking about what's going on too much rather than keeping secrets from people and secrets from myself. So it wasn't that I was lying. I was just lost in this, this, this bullshit narrative and in rehab, they call it denial. Wow. I mean, I think, I think, I think this conversation with Michael isn't a testament that it, that it, that it's a lifetime struggle, you know, and, and, you know, you can hang your hat on, I'm not using, but as Michael said, or, you know, what he referred to, you know, it's like, he still had to deal with Michael. Right. right. And, and, and when he talked about like, when he talked about, you know, opening that man cover and it being filled with gas, I mean, all that gas is you, you know, all that gas is, 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 is what you've kept bottled up. Yeah. You know, you. Corey, you said something that's profound because one of the things I've learned in the, in the second surrender is, you know, if I do, in fact, if I am in, afflicted by alcoholism and I believe I am, one of the things that, that long timers will say is, I am being affected by my alcoholism when I'm drinking and when I'm not. I am being affected by my drug addiction when I'm using and when I'm not. That was a new idea for me. Whether it's been 20 years or 50 years since I've used last, I'm being affected by the ism. And so it was like, that's, that's, that's crazy. That doesn't make sense to me until you get that 90% of alcoholism is not alcohol. It's the ism. It's the insidious self-malady, the I'm still messed up 
part and we spend the rest of our life one day at a time not only staying clean but using spiritual principles to to reduce the ism using spiritual principles to learn how to have a better life than the life i had before i came in and to have a better life in spite of the ism i ask my my teachers that have been clean for 50 years when's it go away like when do can i and they go look i you know i'm in meetings with these guys and they'll go you know somebody with 55 years that's a global speaker in the community that's saying gee my 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 uh my thinking has been toxic the last couple of weeks. I'm having fights with my wife. I'm confessing her sins. And it's like, but you've been clean for like over a half a century. Yeah, I know. It's called human. Part of this shit just comes with being human. Right. Except we're awake and we have zero tolerance for it. It's like we can't let that part of our life stay unchecked. Mm. Mm. That's right. I mean, wow, Michael. So, so, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about your recovery, Michael, but tell us like, or at least tell our listeners, like, what's the, I don't know how even how to word it, but like, what's the greatest take after recovery? Right. I mean, he's given us all that, but, but where, 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 where has clarity left you or, or what have you found with your, with your found um, clarity? Oh my God. Um, Somebody asked me a question, I think it was either yesterday or the day before. They, they, it was a guy that's been coming to my, my classes for over 30 years, and he's a big shot. Uh, and, 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 you know, he hangs around with very successful people in the business. He says, I've been watching you. you, don't, you're, you unlike a lot of people that have been doing it as long as you, you, you keep evolving. You keep, you keep, you keep. And, you know, I, you know, we have the conversation about, yeah, I'm, it's because I'm on this track. And he goes, so what's next for you? Like, where do you go? And it's like, well, it's pretty simple. I'm, I'm going to continue to practice these principles with the hope that I continue to wake up. So it's not a goal. It's we, you, it, awakening is not a, a, a past tense. It's present tense. And we continue to wake up. Well, well why would I want to do that? Because our life gets exponentially better as we do. So you, we, we, waking up youngs us down. Waking up, uh, in, it, it's empowering, it's inspiring, it's exhilarating. Uh, it shows up in every aspect of our life. Relationships, the, the, the people, places, and things, the money, the, everything just gets better. And it's like, that is that why you stay on it? Yeah, I'm part of this is enlightened self-interest. I, I love the fruits of recovery, but to have them, I know I got to work my ass off. Right. I like what he said. It was practice. Like, can you imagine how life would be or how great life would be if we all understood that life is a practice? Like, instead of being a, instead of like like being goal set and like I've accomplished something, but it's like a, just it's the process of life that gets you through to life. It's not necessarily, and it's not, I mean, yes, you need goal setting and stuff like that, but I don't know. I don't know kind of how to explain it. I mean, when he said it, it made a lot of sense to me, right? Yeah. Like, like we're on a practice. Well, yeah. We're and and a- what's interesting about it, Corey, is the, the, the process in recovery is different than the developmental process in business. And in, in business, we call it personal development, 
professional development. And you know, you go to the next course and you learn the next set of skills and you deepen and widen your skill set. And that's important. Like that's way important. But the conversation we're having now, it's not a process of addition. We in personal development, you grow through adding on. In recovery, it's a process of subtraction. We we grow from subtracting. And what we're subtracting is character defect, limitation, self-defeating ways of being and, and patterns of behavior. Uh, we, we call it, you know, we call it surrender, letting go, giving up. And uh, I, it, it's, it's not easy. I, I said to a group yesterday, all of the shit that I let go of still have my claw marks on it, uh, <laughs> which implies, listen, man, the, the things that you said you're letting go of, they were taken from you a year ago. You're just letting go of the idea of needing to have them back. And it's, it's that. And, and once we do that, it's almost like there's an opening in us for something new to come through. And that newness is transformation or whatever you want to call it. And we can't think our way to it. We, we, as you call, we practice the principles. And as we do that, all this extraordinary stuff reveals and expresses and comes forth. What makes me think about, you know, like in the beginning of our conversation, you said that, you, you know, you're a product of, of uh, a long line of family tree history of this abuse. And by coming aware and, and accepting and being transparent, you can really help break that generational curse. You know what I mean? So you can help your children and, you know, and they can, you know, see. I mean, I, frankly, I think that's the question, right? Yeah. But like, Michael, you broke the chain. Like, how did, uh, how's it paid forward in your life? And your Well, yes, but here's the whole truth. My wife is in a community of people that are, are members of, uh, that are like her, that have loved ones that are afflicted by, so she, in essence, is in recovery. She goes to therapy with me. I have adult children. Uh, uh, they're not afflicted with what I'm afflicted with, but they're in their own communities. So yes, it was stopped, but make no mistake about it. I, you know, it's a family, it's a family dilemma. And my, my adult children are in their own forms. They, they both uh, have uh, people that they see to help them. They're both part of communities. So I, it's, it's everyone's treated. I didn't push them into that. They, they I think, as they woke up um, and, you know, they're in it, to, you know, they're now on the back end of their 30s. They've been in it for about 10 years. My son is uh, married to someone that's in the community that I'm in. So, you know, shit rolls downhill, but also so too does light. So, you know, God, God love us all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I kind of think, I don't want to put certainly words in Michael's mouth. And I say that a lot, but, you know, like, like, you know, we'll call it the asshole years, you know, when Michael wasn't being such a nice guy. I mean, ultimately, your family or those that are the closest to you get the worst part of you, you know, especially like when he was talking about you know, he became more and more successful. So who gets less of you? It's not, it's not the world, but it's actually the people that love you the most. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I'm still, if, if you can get addicted to it, I have it. So <laughs> like I'm, I'm, somebody would say, geez, here he, he's, he's now he's obsessive compulsive about his recovery. And I'm going, 
guilty as charged, Your Honor. I mean, I still have issues around workaholism. I, you know, right. I still have issues around materialism. So you put an ism on the back end of something, and, and that's where it's, it's an obsession. I just think we're kind of like people that have this thing, this germ, this bug, we're spring-loaded. We tend to have a propensity to be, you know, compulsive, obsessive about life. And, you know, so I'll probably go to my grave with that. But you know what? You know, you just wake up, you suit up, you show up, you step up, you do the best you can. And uh, I just, I'm grateful that I'm, I, I don't have the issues with addiction that I used to because those issues were very, very, very deadly. Now my wife yells at me about, Michael, put down your goddamn mobile. Let's have dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get off right. Facebook, you know, you know, like, you know, stay, don't go online. Just like, give me your presence. And uh, so those are, those turds are different turds. Right. But I mean, at least they're healthier. Right. I mean, a lot of people that, I, that, 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 you know, we know that are in recovery, a lot of them like switch obsessions. Right. So um, <laughs> it's just whether you choose, like, is, is it going to be a healthy obsession or is it going to be, you know, an unhealthy obsession? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I still have, I still have to watch the money thing. I, I, I want to use money to fix problems that there, you can't fix money problems. You can't fix relationship problems with money. It's like putting a bandaid on a brain tumor. I mean, you can, I, I said this yesterday, I said, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it keeps the kids close. Right. And so, you, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm using money to fix my relationship with my adult children. Don't look now, but you got codependency, you know. Awesome. If you could uh, give one piece of advice to someone who is going through similar struggles or through the isms, uh, what would it be? Oh, I, I yeah. Wow. Your questions are so profound. One that just comes to mind is. Um, find people in your community, one or more people that have not only more time than you, but it's apparent that they're in the game and give them permission to come into your no fly zone. Give them permission to check in with you when it looks like to them that you might be off the beam or out of sorts. And, um, and there's, there are people that I give permission to and they take that right. I not only give them permission, I ask them, please do. Because sometimes checking in, somebody checking in with me breaks the spell. I, you know, somebody, you know, Corey says, I'm, you know, I'm in asshole mode, but I can't see it. You know, the first step in, out of hell is knowing that I'm there. Uh, and, and then um, uh, when they check in, take pause and um, confess. And, and, and if you're going to, if you're going to err, err on the side of giving too much of a benefit to the doubt, to your recovery, I'm going to go to more meetings than I need to. Um, I'm, I'm going to have more conversations with people in recovery than I need to. And the biggie is you will, a willingness to do something has nothing to do with wanting to do something. I, I, most of the, there's too many times I'm taking action out of willingness, but the very actions I'm taking, I don't necessarily want to take them. I used to think willingness and wanting to were two different words of saying the same thing. I'm, when I'm willing to, but I don't want to, I'll take the action and what's driving that action is obedience. I, I want to be obedient enough 
to continue to grow. That's beautiful. Unbelievable. Um, Michael, I mean, God, you've given so much, you know, I, uh, I, there's a couple times like during this conversation where I got cold, you know, like, like, like the conversation just kind of like my eyes watered up when he was talking about his wife. Like, yeah, I Michael, I know you're in there. No. Oh my goodness. That, that yeah. was it. That was one of the times where I, I, just kinda, I felt this like cold coldness come over my body. Anyways, Michael, you've given us so much. Again, thank you once again for, for coming on and, and, and sharing your unbelievable story. Um, and I mean, Michael has such a great way because he says like the struggle is real, but it's also hopeful. Right. You know, like, like to listen to this, it, it, it sounds hopeful and that there is light at the, at, at the end of that proverbial tunnel. Although we also discussed that that tunnel never ends. Light. I say life. <laughs> yeah, right. There's life at the end of that tunnel. That, that's a good way to put it, right? Yeah, so. we, don't, we don't get out of life. Everybody goes through life and if we go through life, every now and then it's our turn to go into the barrel. And the barrel can be cancer, the barrel can be divorce, the barrel can be bankruptcy, the barrel can be death. From, but if, if we stay in recovery and keep practicing the principles, sooner or later we get, on the other, we get out of the barrel. And, you know, it, it, to say it's, 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 this is life, that you don't get out of life. You just decide to go through life in grace by staying in recovery. So it was a wonderful conversation, you guys. Uh, Michael, thank you very much, and thank you once again for joining us on Your Day Off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it <laughs> yeah totally forget about this message we also want to thank sarah and blaine from pretty gritty uh sarah and blaine they are a band out of uh, portland oregon and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song pleased to meet you on our podcast um that's cool i think you can find actually you can you can find their music on um on itunes peace and hair grease